Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 32 with my friend, Rebecca. Tingy. My voice sounds tingy. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, it is uh, it is April and still in kind of a lockdown situation, which has been interesting. I'll tell you what, a uh, small advantage here, and I'll get in the episode in a minute, but... Uh, I just had some waffles for lunch, some Eggos, and I'll tell you what, I haven't had Eggos in a very long time, and I don't think I would have had Eggos had it not been for uh, the miscellaneous food supply that we have um, because of this self-isolation quarantine period. So I let's give it up for the Eggos. Um, thank you guys for sticking with us during all this. Um, I know it's been... It's been weird, and I, I talk to people about their their podcast listening habits. Because if you're like me, uh, you typically listen in the car, right? And not no one's really driving places right now, uh, unless you're like an essential employee, uh, which our next our guest today actually very well may be an essential employee, um, as she works with the foster system, and I'm sure you'll hear all about that. So listen up and uh thank you guys thank you anyone who's going out there to work whether you're at a grocery store or a hospital or uh, anyone that's that's got to leave their house in the morning and and go take care of um, all of us who can't you know so thank you thank you thank you without further ado though here is my interview with my friend rebecca (laughs) so i'll say it anyway um but yeah so, as you may know, I started with how I know people. Mm-hmm. You have a common theme with a lot of people, which is Best Buy, is where we met. Yep. Met yep. a lot of people in Best Buy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, heck, I'm engaged to one. Yeah. And yeah, that's, uh, and that's the other tie-in, is now you're engaged to my friend Aaron, who I knew years before I started at Best Buy. Oh, the stories yeah. I've heard. Aaron knew me during my dark years. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's a, it's small world, all that. And getting smaller. Yeah. (laughs) I keep learning that, especially with this podcast. Do you have any siblings? I have three siblings. I am the (laughs) oldest. I'm the oldest of four. Ooh. Yeah. So I've been playing mom basically since I was nine. What's the closest in age to you? Uh, Matt, my brother, who is three years and eight days younger than me. (laughs) down to the day i like it. i was so mad when he was born that's why <laughs> oh because it's so close to your birthday i didn't even put that i was like okay but yeah no that means it's like almost a week well and it was a brother and yeah. you know and then my next sibling is tess and she's nine years and a few months younger than me oh wow so that's when i started playing mom yeah and then the youngest grace who we tend to butt heads a lot <laughs> Uh, is 11 and a half years younger than me. So you said you remember when your brother was born? I, I've heard stories. <laughs> okay. But um, funny enough, my mom's like, oh, yeah, you you were potty trained that day. You knew everything, but <laughs> you did not want the attention taken from you. That's really funny. But because of the way I was born, and I'll explain that, um, I was queen by two and dictator by three, according to my parents. <laughs> because I'd say jump, and everyone would say how high yeah so oh yeah what did mom and dad do when you were born 
Uh, mom and dad were in college. Okay. So I'm actually going to go a little bit before. Okay. Um, <laughs> both went to MSU. Uh, they, Does that mean you're a state fan for life? I have to be or else I'm disowned. <laughs> inundated into that? <laughs> yeah, basically. So it was funny. Um, skipping ahead a bit, but when I applied for colleges, they said, you can go anywhere but Michigan. Or you go to Michigan, we disown you. And I was like, okay. Even <laughs> so, Ohio State? Would they let you go to Ohio State? I didn't want to. I, <laughs> I know. No one wants to go I to I didn't want to go to Are you kidding me? <laughs> but so my parents um, were actually both working in the cafeteria All at right. the time they met. And then one night stand, and then I happened. Yay. Yay. <laughs> um, How did that play out? So mom and, mom and dad found out I was, they were pregnant, got married that following St. Patrick's Day. Wow. Mom graduated college, started working, and then I was born. <laughs> so, and dad was still in college. Okay. So um, dad, I think, dropped out. Okay. Um, at that time. Um, but he spent his 21st birthday in the hospital because my mom thought she was in labor. I decided to make a grand entrance uh, a few days later. Um, and I wanted, as my mom put it, I wanted everyone and their mother to know that I was here. And they did. What does that mean? <laughs> so my mom was out shopping with my great aunt in the store. Okay. I started hemorrhaging, actually, oh. in the middle of the store. Jeez. So I, she was rushed to the hospital. I was in emergency C-section, and when they pulled me out, I was dead. What? Yes. I had no heartbeat, no pulse, nothing. I was dead. Um, doctor said if I survived, their doctor's exact words, I'd be severely mentally retarded for the rest of my life. Yeah, because of brain damage, right? From Jeez. Lack of oxygen, everything yeah. else. Um Clearly, that's not the case. Yeah, I can vouch for that. <laughs> um, but Do you know how long like you were gone I, for? I have no idea. I just know I was in the NICU. Do you have any superpowers? <laughs> I got a little bit of hearing loss in my left ear. That's but not a superpower. <laughs> yeah, no. I can't read minds. You know, nothing special. So I was rushed to the NICU, spent 11 days in there, um, was baptized at that time because they didn't know if I was going to survive. And then my grandmother... My mom's mom looked at my mom and said, she'll be a dark-eyed, dark-haired, healthy baby girl. Like, don't worry about it. And actually, I just found out this out recently. Uh, my dad went into the chapel one of the days, and he heard God's voice, and, you know, everything's going to be fine. And sure as shit. <laughs> you know, they brought me home. I was a dark-haired, dark-eyed, healthy baby girl. I didn't sleep for shit, but... So... Yeah. Beginning when you can remember, like, what's it like in your house before sibling number two comes along? It's just you and your brother. It, I mean, it was, so I lived on MSU campus for a while, and then we lived with my grandparents for a while, and it was basically, I was doted on. I got all the attention. I was mine, mine, mine. Um... Basically, I got whatever I wanted. Were your mom and dad both working then? Uh, mom and dad were both working then. Okay. So. Just hanging out with grandparents during the day then? Uh, grandparents, my aunt, who was also at MSU at the time. Um, that works out. <laughs> yep. Her friends loved me as well. So, you know, there'd be a little two-year-old sleeping on her couch and all her friends would come over. So, oh yeah, the stories I heard. Yeah. 
So. Um, so you already mentioned a couple things, which I think I know the answer because of. So was religion a big thing in your household growing up? Absolutely still is. Okay. My mom's the religious education director of the church. That'll do it. <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that I don't go to church weekly. Yeah. What role did that play growing up? Oh, it, like as a kid, did you go to certain Christian schools? Where? I didn't go to Christian schools, but you know, mass every Sunday and uh, catechism, made my first communion, baptism. So Catholic. I'm yes, Catholic. Just double check. So <laughs> at the time my parents met, my dad was actually Jewish. How did that play out? <laughs> Courthouse wedding. <laughs> okay. Um, and then he actually converted to being Catholic when I was in elementary school. Okay. So yes. So, with your knowledge, um, perhaps of both to some degree, what's <laughs> harder, do you think, converting to Judaism or converting to Catholicism? <laughs> well, it's, I'm very curious about these it, things. It's, so, growing up, I didn't see my dad's family a lot. We didn't spend a ton of time together. So, I know of some things, but yeah. I don't know, like, really a lot. But, I mean... These days, you you know, you take a year-long class, and then you go through and you get baptized in the church to be Catholic. Yeah. So Judaism, I think, is somewhat of the same way, but... Yeah, and then Catholic, you... Uh, I learned all this via this podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you're, like, 14 or something? Uh, 15? Something... No, not for Catholic. Uh, um in Judaism, when a young man turns, I think it was 13, bar mitzvah. Yeah. But Catholic. There's some, like, I don't, I don't know how to phrase it, level of attainment. Um. So you start in kindergarten and you go to eighth grade. Yeah. Um, and you, during those times for catechism, you make your first communion, you know, you've gotten baptized. Um and then at the very end, you make um, your confirmation. Confirmation. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, that's eighth grade. Okay. So. so that's like 13, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I'm not crazy. I promise. Uh, well, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little crazy. Um, are we are all in our own way? Yes. Did, did it play any role growing up having a Jewish father and a Catholic mother? Like in any other aspects of your life? Not really, because my dad converted when he when I was so young. Yeah. Um, I think I was in second grade, okay. maybe third when he converted. Okay. So in Judaism, I mean, I was around my mom's side more than I was around my father's side. Yeah. So the Catholic played more than the Judaism did. Yeah. So. What were your parents' relationship like, being that they were like... Those first few years of dating was essentially after they had you. Um, it was actually really rough while yeah. I was growing up. Uh, there was actually a few times that, you know, I stood in front of the door because I thought my dad was going to leave and not come back. So there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of anger. Yeah. And I feel like there was a lot of resentment towards me. Um, because at one point, my mother looked at me. I was standing... This is by the time I moved back, we moved back to Clarkston. Um, but I was standing in our, in my parents' old house in the, in the living room and my mom was in the kitchen and you could see into the kitchen. And 
I said something and she looked at me and said, well, if it wasn't for you, I would not have married your father. And I was kind of like, okay. That'll stick with you. That's a slap in the face. And it was like, so why the heck did you keep me? Yeah. But being Catholic and her mother and father being. A lot of options off the table. Yeah. 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 So it was basically, so I basically, you know, yes, I was really loved when I was young. Like that's not a doubt, but feeling wanted and growing up not feeling wanted yeah like all my other family wanted me but then i felt like well why did that create any resentment towards your siblings did they did you kind of look at them and be like oh you were more planned than i was or anything it it did um it was a lot of like you know they say parents never have favorites (laughs) i call baloney on that so hard (laughs) Um, well, that, yeah, I'm obviously my mother's favorite. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that. Um, and I don't even think like when it was just me and my brother. Yeah. Um, was your, do you, I mean, to the best of your knowledge, obviously you don't know for sure, but like, was your first younger brother, was he planned? As far as I know, he was planned, but again, I don't know. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it was, it was hard. And it was, I mean, growing up, basically, like, feeling like a mistake. Like, yeah, it sucked. So, and to this day, I mean, obviously, my parents are now almost over 31, mar- you know, 31, mar- 31, 31 years. years <laughs> I can't talk, That's apparently. But, yeah, 31 years is St. Patrick's Day. But and their relationship is great now. They've yeah. come such a long way, and it's so loving and... You know, it's great, but... Didn't start out that way. <laughs> oh, God, no. Yeah. Did oh. you know the whole time, like, when, as far as when you could actually comprehend what that meant, that you were, like, a one-night stand child, as you described? <laughs> um, or is that something you found out, like, later on? Well, I did the math one year. Okay. <laughs> Mom and Dad didn't have to tell me. I did yeah. the math one year because I was like, oh, they're, you know, I think it was at school. Someone asked me how long my parents had been married. Yeah. And you're and, like, well, how old am I? <laughs> and I was like, okay, that was, well, son of a bitch, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But of course, growing up, my brother didn't put two and two together for a while. And my siblings didn't put, you know, my sisters didn't put two and two together until yeah. I was, they were in high school. So your first um, sister's born. You're already making your way through elementary school. Yup. Yep. Um, what does that, how does that change the household dynamic? Cause you say you start mothering. Oh, I'm, I loved it. So <laughs> at that point, mom worked in Dearborn. Okay. So... Between the babysitter and the... So you guys were living in Clarkson. Your mom worked like 30, 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mom's working in Dearborn. So basically with Tess and Grace, I played mom. When After they got home from the babysitter, um, and I loved my sister being born. Matt was not such a fan because it wasn't a brother. So I played mom whenever I could. I changed the diapers, you know. Were you asked to help out more or was it just a role you were like excited to get into? It wasn't until Grace when I was really asked to help, but it was kind of one that I had already been. And how much further apart is she from you? Grace and I are 11 and a half years. So, yeah. Yeah, so you were like 
about to get in your angsty teenage years and I wasn't a bad a teenager. I was a very like bad as a relative. <laughs> I didn't do much. Yeah. I was I'm very much a homebody, I still am. Um and I was a homebody all through high school and How so. was school? Like junior high, high school? Quiet. I was a wallflower, no one knew me. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't have, like, a small circle of friends or anything? I had a small circle, but, it I mean, I played in the orchestra from 6th to 12th okay. grade. Yeah. So what did you play? I played the viola. Nice. So, yeah. I'm not the music major in the family. No? <laughs> That's my sister. Okay. Hey, you did, you just said, what, six years of viola? Yeah. Can you still play anything? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I wasn't very good then. Are you kidding me? You weren't first chair? Maybe in middle school when i gave a damn to practice okay. but come high school i wanted to sit in the back yeah in high school i was such a like hermit so to speak but i wasn't a hermit yeah like i knew everyone but if you asked you know most people they go who the hell what'd you uh what'd you spend your time doing i i mean hanging out with a group of friends i played mom a lot yeah so I was I was babysitting a ton. Did you have like alone time stuff? Like, did you get into books a lot or loved reading video Still games? Lo- I Star Wars action figures. <laughs> no, I actually didn't get into video games until I was much older. Um, Matt was really into video games, so I'd like watch him. I play a few like the old Spyro on PlayStation, but it was nothing crazy. But books, big reader. Books still love books. Yeah. So, but I'm more you know Jane Austen and. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Trash novels. <laughs> I like the classics. I mean, yeah. I grew, even, I used to watch, I still do, watch old black and white movies. So. Old soul? Do you feel you're an old soul? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, ever since I was three, I've been called an old soul. That's fine. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, you just, something about that time period. Yeah. So, and it was funny growing up, I, I tell my mom often. You know, I was born in the wrong time period, and she just looked at me like, you're nuts. <laughs> uh, did you do good in school? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I did well in school. I was I didn't get straight A's, but I was a 3.5, I, I think, when I graduated That's high school. That's nearly doubled what I graduated high school with. <laughs> I was more concerned about my social life in high school. Um. Yeah. Yeah, me and my social life, <laughs> I just... Showed. I mean, my mom... So I... Used to, I saved up all my money um, from babysitting and everything else and actually cried because I had to buy f- part of my first homecoming dress and I didn't want to spend that money because I still wanted to save it. She's like, oh my gosh. And she used to pay me. She's like, I will give you 20 bucks just to get out of the house and go to the movies or something. Like, go away. And Take 20 and sit on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, by junior year, senior year, I was out more. Um, I had a different group of friends, and I was a little bit more social, but still. Yeah. I mean, if you asked half of, you know, if you asked some of the kids in my grade, they'd go, who the hell was she? <laughs> like, okay. So where so. did you end up going to college? Um, I end, So I applied four places, um, got into three of them. What were your four? Oh, Which one didn't you get into? <laughs> I I don't even remember. Okay. Uh, Did you apply to like crazy ones like a Grand Valley, okay. um, Ferris, All Central? State schools. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I was nothing like my Stanford dad or told, Yale. Or well, <laughs> I told my dad, I was like, well, I'll just go to, you know, OU or OCC, you know, in the beginning. He's like, no, 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 no. You are not staying home. You're getting out. <laughs> because at that time, you got real young kids. Yeah. And the dynamic in the house was like... <laughs> Now, if we can get rid of one of you, one of you needs to go. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like, you're not allowed back here. Um, So which one did you pick? Central. Okay. So. Funny. Simu. Yeah. Funny, the party school, and I wasn't a party. (laughs) I don't think of Central as a party school, but I think that's just because I never partied there. Yeah, no, I, I went to Central, and... Started out as a special education major. Okay. What drew you to that? Helping. Just being able to help. And I love kids. And it was just different. Were you doing that in high school at all? I wasn't. But I always felt growing up that I was born to make a difference. In some way, shape, or form, I was born to help and make a difference. And I was like, okay, well, this is great. And then my mom's like, well, if you really want to help, you know, school's got you know, great schedule, you get summers off, this yeah. and that. But about halfway through, I was like, nope, fuck this. And <laughs> I changed my major um, and my minor at that time. My, so my minor became my major, and then I got a different minor. So my major is family studies, and my minor is substance abuse. Okay. So instead of like the five and a half, six years that it would have taken me to graduate, I graduated in four and a half. So by December of 11, I was done. So what did, uh, just jumping back to like when you first got there, what is that like being out of the house? You're a couple hours (laughs) away. I mean, you have, you have freedom like you haven't had before. I felt such a relief. Like, I didn't feel like the weight of the world was crushing me. And it was because you've got mom and dad who, through high school, I didn't have a great relationship with my father. Him and I butted heads like, there's no one's business. Any particular, like, reason or? I think just because we were so much the same. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was more like my father in high school than I was my mother. My, me and my mom got along great. And then as soon as I graduated high school, it flipped. Like I went off to college, <coughs> excuse me, went off to college and me and my dad had the best relationship. Me and my mother, oh boy. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> Even to this day, her and I really don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. And it's caused really big issues. Yeah. Um, We've gotten better, but, I mean, I love my mother. Yeah. It's just, especially with her working for the church, I think it just kind of took a toll. Yeah. So. When did she start doing that? How old were you? It was after, I think I was in college, if not after. So it was my sisters who got, you know. Um, Did that, I mean, when you first got to college, was it more, I, I know you said you liked playing mother and helping out but was it was that part of the weight that was lifted as you didn't have to feel like doing that and like it was your job to do that anymore i didn't have to check in i didn't have to 
you know, I didn't have to answer to anyone. Yeah. And it was kind of like, well, shit, I can do my own thing. I can stay out as late as I want. I can, you know, do whatever. But That's it, when you started drinking and doing drugs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm that type of person, yeah. right? What, uh, but what did that bring? What kind of, what did that freedom bring? Like, um, I, I mean, I was, there was one night my freshman year, um, my roommate, my roommate had a crush on a guy and we actually went over to that guy's dorm and kind of hung out and ended up drinking that night. Um, and then came crawling back at three, um, slept through my 8am class. Like, you know, I think that was the only class in my college career I missed. (laughs) That is responsible. I've always been responsible. Like, yeah. growing up, and even to this day, I was known as the mother of our friends group because I was the responsible one. I was the one saying, don't do that, don't yeah. do that. And then, you know. Do you ever, throughout, I mean, going back to your childhood up through um, now or <laughs> whenever, I'm assuming that responsibility has continued. Um, yeah. Like, has it ever felt like a burden in a way that you're, like, missing out on anything? Absolutely not. Okay. I think that's because I've always wanted to be a mom. Like, that was kind of one of the things that I loved growing up was playing mom. Yeah. So, and I think that's why I did it so well because, like, yeah, at times it sucked and I had to babysit when I didn't want to. But overall, I mean, you can't get those memories back with your siblings yeah oh yeah or your cousins or whoever you're babysitting so i loved playing mom i still love playing mom yeah so which we'll get to that too um <laughs> so you graduate in 2011 Mm-hmm. what's next for you so jumping back a few years actually summer of 09 because i had lived with my grandfather after so when i came back from my first year of college my parents were like you don't have a room here because they had, you know, storage, whatever. Yeah. I was like, great. So I lived with my grandfather who was five minutes down the road. So before you moved out to go to college, were your siblings, any of your siblings sharing rooms? Mm-hmm. My okay. two si- my, So then they weren't my, anymore? Yep. Got it. Yep. <laughs> okay. So summers I come back and live with my grandpa, but summer of 09, I actually... So I wasn't getting enough hours at my job. So my aunt's like, oh, come down to Arkansas. So I drove. And sure. I, I was like, sure, whatever. She's like, I'll pay you to come, you know, watch the house, things like that. And so summer of 09, and at 4.30 in the morning, I get up, pull out money from the ATM, and in my little 1990 Chevy Cavalier nice. with roll <laughs> windows and no air conditioning, I make the trip to Arkansas. <laughs> So what did you do in Arkansas? I And what is that like taking yourself out of Michigan for the first time? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I love I love being warm. I hate winter. <laughs> so um it was nice to spend one on one time with my aunt. I got to watch her dogs, I got to watch the house. Did you um, meet a lot of like different people while you're down there too? Different people, because we actually went to Oklahoma as well around my birthday for, uh, we went and saw Wicked. So, and then an Aerosmith concert with ZZ Top. Um, But a lot of different people, a lot of odd jobs. I did like dog sitting and whatnot for friends, but it was fun. Yeah. It was nice being away 
and just being able to breathe. You're just down there for the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I always try to push people to, like, live somewhere else, even if a temporary. Because <laughs> if you're just in the same bubble your whole life and you never meet anybody outside of, like, your hometown, it's it can be devastating to your <laughs> social development. Well, and you've got to think. Well... So not only did I have that experience, but my aunt, because she's not married, she buys, on my mom's side, each one of us have gotten a trip when we graduated high school. Nice. So like my cousin who's older than me went to Russia. I went to India for 18 days. Wow. Um, yeah. Right out of high school? It was, yeah, the December after we gradu- we, I graduated high school. How was India? I'm very thankful for the experience. I will never go back. Excuse- Did you pick India? Mm-mm. Oh, she just like surprises you with so, a location? <laughs> because she, I mean, when she was in, what was it, college, she backpacked through um, Australia and such. So she's always been a traveler. So it had yeah. to be someplace that she's never been. Oh, does she take you with her? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's the trip. Mm-hmm. I get it. So I'm like, India. Really? What the hell about me said screamed India here? Um, but I spent I get anxiety days. thinking about how many people are there. <laughs> well, try taking a rickshaw ride where you're in a cart and there's a shit ton of cars driving by you and yeah. you think you're going to die. Because that was my very first morning in India after landing at two in the morning and then having to get up at six to go meet our tour guide. So... Yeah. Anything crazy happen in India? No. Um, it was warm. Had to wear, uh, had to be covered, long sleeves, things like that. Um, the men were a little too friendly at times. Um, but other than that, I mean, we started in the capital of New Delhi and then went all the way down and ended in Mumbai. So. Did you end up going through like small villages and stuff too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What's that like? That's crazy. It was. <clears throat> It made me very thankful. Yeah. It, like, one of the tour guys actually took us to his village because it was just on the way. And just the way they live, it was, it makes you very grateful for, you know, everything that you have and everything else. But it was weird (laughs) because they love curries really spicy. Mm -hmm. I didn't do spicy at the time. I love spicy. At that time, I didn't do spicy. Yeah. It was... So, I mean, I went to India. I was 115, 120 pounds. I came back, and I was maybe 100 pounds. So, so not a fan of the food there. <laughs> no, when you come back, like, 100 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. I mean, since then, I love spice. But at that time, yeah. no. I had a very, like, bland palate, so to speak. So, yeah. oh, yeah. Spice did not agree with me. So I try and eat in the morning, like the bread and the oatmeal and everything. But, you know, by five o'clock at night, I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> so you're marking off uh, some of your some of your calendar with India and Arkansas. Anything else during college that? Nothing. Nothing too crazy. And what do you end up graduating in? My major? Yeah. Family studies. Okay. With a minor in substance abuse. Okay. So... Yeah, no, it was, it was interesting. So what, uh, what happens after college? Um, 
Number of random jobs. Uh, didn't get anything really in my field. Yeah. Um, story of story of everybody's life. Of everyone's <laughs> life. I know it. It's like, oh, well, I got this degree, and now what the hell do I do, yeah. right? Um, thought about going back to grad school for counseling. Ended up not doing that. Um, worked at Subway for a bit. Worked at, by the way, Subway with a drive-thru sucks. Subway with a drive-thru? In Ortonville. Oh, I've never seen a Subway with a drive-thru, but I guess I know exactly the one you're talking about, so I have seen a Subway with a drive-thru. People were assholes through the drive-thru. Well, it so. is Ortonville. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> My wife's from Martinville. I'll have to take the subs. <laughs> no, like, they come through, order, like, six subs and two... I was like, you come in for that. <laughs> like, if you're ordering one sub through yeah. the drive-thru, that's one thing. But... That drives me crazy, like, just on the same subject. Uh, I go to Starbucks entirely too often. <laughs> and if there's somebody in front of me that's getting, like, three trays of drinks for their office, I'm like, why did you go through the drive-thru, you piece of garbage <laughs> i don't understand that and then rude. my um got out of the food business and then went to toys and best buy so what is the first toys toys are us oh <laughs> so well, if you're combining toys and best buy i was like i don't know what you're saying toys are us and best buy so working both of those on a black friday oh wow yeah two retail jobs at once and then i said never Not again fun. after that black friday yeah i was like no and that's where i met you were you at our store first or Auburn the, hills the only yeah. store you went okay that was the only store i was at you like i say our store even though i haven't worked there <laughs> <laughs> well we i haven't worked there and i don't know how long. it's yeah. been a while it's Years. been a bit yeah yeah who knows so then you find a job in your field so I actually ended up quitting Best Buy and then, because at that time my grandfather was getting sicker and sicker. So I wanted to stop and take care of him, but I also decided to go back to school for nursing. And this is the grandfather you were living with during the summer? Mm-hmm. So you, I imagine you guys were pretty close. We were really close. Um, after my grandmother died, my grandmother passed away when I was eight from breast cancer. Um and I always said if she had survived, you know, my life would probably be a lot different than it is today. Is that on your mom's mm-hmm. side or your dad's side? My mom's okay. mom. Um, because she was like my second mother. Okay. I mean, she just, I was her everything. Yeah. I was the favorite grandchild. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my grandpa got sick. He um, it was getting worse and worse and worse. And then, um, so I stopped, went to OU for a bit for nursing and then actually ended up finding a job in my field in muskegon right before i entered the nursing other side of the state yep that was 16 okay so so did you move out there oh yeah yeah yep so you move out to muskegon yes um muskegon a shit show yeah i I don't want to like talk trash about random Michigan cities. <laughs> no, um, I think it's because of the job I had. Well, didn't they have like, or don't they have a huge drug problem there? Yes. Okay. At least they did when I was there. Yeah. They had. Which was a few years ago. Yeah. They had. Well, so I was the family's first worker out there. Okay. So what does that mean? So I was. The person CPS brought in before they took the kids away. Gotcha. I was, um, it was category one and two. So, I mean, they're real high risk. It was 
And I had basically four weeks to work with this family to try and overcome the barriers so kids were not taken. Um, Did that always work? No. So, but... What is it like being in that role? Because I imagine... It's scary. Yeah, I imagine you immediately are looked at as a threat because you're the person that decides, right, whether or not... I actually... So, like, when I first meet a client, normally it's with the CPS worker. And I actually had one client look at us and so say if you don't get the hell out of my house i'll shoot you um there was a lot of times i was like i wish i could carry like pepper spray yeah you know some form of defense because in my role i can't um even with my current job now there i can't carry a form of defense which is not always great in the areas i go to well that's i mean that's just got to be is there a part of you that has to kind of emotionally shut off when you're doing that? Yes. I imagine like some of those scenarios are just heartbreaking to be in. Them. So in Muskegon, I walked into scenarios. I mean, some of them had bed bugs. Some of them didn't even have housing. Some of them, I mean, there was so many barriers. And I've got, I worked with two families at a time for four weeks. And then I had to give my recommendation. And it just it sucked because i've got some people refusing my help i've got some people calling me names that i didn't appreciate i've got people threatening my life i've got and i'm two and a half three hours away from my family or anyone safe that i can trust yeah so if i get into a bind i'm basically shit out of luck um and it sucked and I missed home, especially having this job because it would take such an emotional toll. It was, there were nights I went home and cried. Oh, I'm sure. Like it was just heartbreaking. And it's funny, people say, you know, it takes a special kind of person to do this job. And it really does. Yeah. Like, cause I've had a lot of people come up to me and go, I could never do your job. I'm like, there are days I wonder how <laughs> I do my job. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do it. I've got to get through it. But how the hell? So how long are you doing that out there? I was there for a year. And okay. then I said, fuck it. I can't do this. <laughs> um, it was, it brought me to a bad place mentally. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I had my coworkers and they were support, but there was, I didn't feel safe. Yeah. I never had that security that safety when you live alone you know for a year i mean it was great living alone but at the same time it was like i need someone to vent to i need someone to just is that the first time you've ever lived alone yeah because all the other times i was with family or roommates at college yeah yeah okay yeah so it was just and with that job it's not one you need yeah it's not one to live alone at least not for me i just By, I was, I was mentally in a bad spot by the end of it. I was like, there's just no fucking way. So, you know, my lease was up and I said, forget it. I'm heading home and I moved home. I mean, when you think about all the scary parts, like if I don't get home tonight, no one's going to miss me. No one's going to know if, you know. It'll take days, you know, and it's, it mentally, I was like, it, 
And with all the horrors you hear on the news, yeah. you're just like, yeah, no, this is done. Like so, the single woman living alone really hit a chord with you. Well, <laughs> some of my family has actually lived like in a really bad part of Muskegon. Yeah. And I actually like I made it a point where I would not go out there at night. Yeah. Because I had to spend 10 hours a week, every week, with my families. Um, whether transporting them, you know, medication reviews, whatever it might be. Um, but there was parts I'd, I'm like, they're like, well, we need you to drop us off at, you know, 5 o'clock in the winter at this part of town. I'm like, nope. Yeah. Find a friend. I don't care. Like, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be here. And we were on call 24-7. Yeah. So even on Saturday and Sunday, I'd get a call, and I'd have to go help my client. So, and at that point, I was coming home a lot. I came home almost every weekend. Yeah. So, because I just... I How did that work with being on call? Some say? of the times I'd tell my supervisor, <laughs> and some of the times I'd just pray that I didn't get a call. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, I wouldn't be getting a call on the weekend. Yeah. So. So... What uh? When you say you moved back home, where's you moved back to your parents' house or your grandparents? Actually, moved. Uh, at that point, I moved in with Aaron. Okay. So. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. So, um, ended up working at a daycare for a bit, and then ended up getting the job I have now. So. So, given uh, I don't want to talk about like your relationship, but given your affinity. For mothering um what is it like uh, to move in with someone that has a son i love that little boy yeah, i love <laughs> i love him like i thought he's, that was going <laughs> i love him like he's my own he doesn't always reciprocate that yeah. and he can be very mean at times but as little boys can be i can relate to that <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna I'm just going to bite my tongue and because I don't think it's all him. Yeah. So, but I love that little boy like he's my own. I mean, I've, he, he's, he's a very polite, well-behaved little boy. Yeah. So. Well, it's a few times you've mentioned, like, you always wanted to be a mother. And so then you kind of entered a relationship where you had that automatically. And it, and it in turn just makes me want one of my own even <laughs> yeah. that much more, you know? Or 10 of your own. Oh, God, no. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I like being a mom, but 10? I, I, yeah. yeah. And the many. funny thing is, is in high school, the running joke among the, our, my group of friends was, you'll be the first to get married and have kids. <laughs> they all got married. Some of them are now divorced. Some of them are single parents, this and that. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, nope. <laughs> Still not me, guys. Um, yeah, it's funny. Me and Erica, most, not most. I'd, st- I'd say the statistics are correct. Like, half the weddings that we attended while we were dating have ended in divorce. And then we got married. Because everyone's like, when are you guys going to finally get married? <laughs> God, that's and we got married and we like, ha we won. <laughs> well, and that's, the funny thing is, is everyone was like, all, we had, Aaron and I's friends were like, so when are you guys getting married? And I'm like, don't look at me. I don't Ask him. Yeah. Uh, well, I always said, I mean, so I was proposed to twice. Okay. Um, 
by two different men and drunk proposals are not very fun um but were they drunk proposals with rings no okay no one was actually (laughs) at um my uh high school graduation party oh yeah Yeah. sure he was shit paced Um, (laughs) it's a good time to ask well he was older than i was and that that was not that was that was not a good relationship that was a lot of um abuse and cheating and that kind of was like yeah no i'm really glad i told you no when you were shit based like yeah yeah and so you went to india um yes then <laughs> yeah then i went to india that december so but that was actually one of the um relationships that shaped me to just take no shit yeah um and because you know it's really hard to fight off a 200 pound man you know when you're 115 pounds yeah so um going back to your job because now what do you do now so i am a foster home licensing consultant yeah see this is where i'm very i'm intrigued i work (laughs) for so i work for oakland family services right here in pontiac okay woodward across from the phoenix center actually um and i love my job what do you do most days (laughs) (laughs) most days um so what i do is we're always in need of foster homes we always need people who want to foster um and i basically go in the home and assess it and assess everyone living there and i as i put it to my clients i'm your best friend with i become your best friend without being your best friend because I learned every dirty little secret. Yeah. Um, any divorces, any criminal history, anything like that. And I have to assess everything. And I write like a 30-page report by the time it's all said and done. And then once the license is open by the state of Michigan, I then maintain that license. So you've got like a six-month probation period. Okay. Um, and then I come out and reassess, and then it's yearly after that. Do you so? So does anything? Does anything like slip through the cracks as far as, or do you like interview the kids too? Oh yeah. Once that happens. So when I say I interview everyone in the household, yeah, I interview kids, I interview adult household members. If anyone moves in while you've got the license open. I have to interview them and assess them and they have to fill out all the paperwork for the background checks and um you get fingerprinted um as a licensee so your name's on the foster home license and say you get a license opened and then you end up going to jail for something well i'm gonna find that out either you can tell me or the state of Michigan's gonna, you know, yeah. because then we have to reassess. If you get a new pet, if you get a new car, if you, I mean, I, I'm, yeah. any changes to the lifestyle whatsoever. Any changes, someone moves in, someone moves out, you remodel, you move. Yeah. Um, I've got to assess for that safety. So, and I've got to assess to make sure that you're okay to take care of these children yeah. because children coming into foster care, there's so much trauma. Oh, yeah. There's so much trauma, and it just varies on the level of trauma. And we have to make sure that you're equipped to take care of that. 
So not only do you have to do training in the very beginning, but then you have to maintain training. Yeah. So for like after your six month probation period, you then have to do six hours of training a year. So you can do more, absolutely, but you have to do at least six. Not only do we do foster parent, recruited foster parents, people who want to be foster parents, but we also do relatives who like mom and dad can't take care of these kids. So now aunt's taking care of them. And now I'm walking into this relative's house and I have to assess them to try and get licensed. Do they all get licensed? No, because they, cause they're already getting paid. Yeah. So they flip us the bird and go, I don't fucking care. I don't want to do this, you know, cause it takes, we say it takes at least six months to get licensed yeah. for that assessment process. So relatives are always interesting. Well, I imagine that creates an issue in itself if you're trying to keep the kids away from their parents because their parents are like toxic mm -hmm. in that not always because they because even as relatives you still get parenting time as foster you know because depending on the case yeah bio mom and dad are still gonna get parenting time they're gonna be able to see that kid once a week or so just because they're in foster care doesn't mean they're like up for adoption correct because okay. actually our goal is because nine times out of ten they get reunified with mom and dad which is like the ultimate goal that's our yeah. goal and a lot of people come into our agency and go, you know, I want to adopt this kid. I want to adopt this kid. And we're like, yeah, no, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe you'll get lucky. and People treat it like a trial period. <laughs> Keep a kid for a little while. Yeah, like, well, no. honey, we can return him or we can. <laughs> and that causes more trauma yeah. to the kid. Oh, yeah. Which is, and then you're dealing with behaviors and it's just. I mean, I give props to foster parents, but like the new foster parents come in and going, yeah, you know, we want to adopt and this and that. I'm like, but do you want to foster? That's what we're looking for. We yeah. need someone who's willing to take these kids and we'll be your support and, you know, you can deal with their behaviors, this and that, and then keep them for an indefinite amount of time, <laughs> months to years. Yeah depending on how this goes and then you can you know you're gonna be in support of that reunification you're gonna you know try and support mom yeah. and dad and you know help them and it's funny a lot of people come in and oh yeah we'll support we'll support and then their license gets open and it's like nope we just want to adopt it <laughs> yeah. like, i just well, yeah go ahead i said i spent six months or more trying to get you licensed so you could take foster kids because that's what we need and now you're flipping me the bird well fuck you too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've uh i've talked to two people one on the show and then another one elsewhere um about that I went through the foster system as kids and one turned out like foster system wise like everything was fine the other one was like every house she went to she was abused in and like mm-hmm well, I mean, is there stuff that just the you can't really sniff so, out before? 
the thing with the checks, the background checks now and everything, yeah. and why it takes so long, why it takes six months or more to get yeah. licensed, is because we're doing more and more thorough checks. The state of Michigan has now, because you get a book of rules, a, a book of rules from the state of Michigan that you have to follow, that I have to assess you on, mm-hmm. on top of our agency, which has to follow that set of rules, and it's one big, you know, paperwork yeah. shit show. Um but there's more, like if you have any criminal history, like I had a client that, I mean, there was cr- criminal history from the 90s yeah. that I have to assess on. And I have to make this recommendation. So you can either be honest with me because I have to get their side of the story yeah. and then I have to do my own assessment. And so you can either be honest with me or you cannot get licensed. What kind of, uh, now you've sparked all my curiosity. Um <laughs> What kind of like psychological exam do you give to these people as far as, cause are, are you allowed to, because no, you know, not every abuser is going to have a criminal history. Um, or, you know, like what kind of, are there any red flags that you can look for or is it just like there's hoping for the good in people? <laughs> s- no, there, I mean, doing this job now for over two years yeah. there, when I talk to people, just the way they, act around certain questions that i'll ask them like i've learned to look for little red flags and i mean there are homes that i'll go into where i'm not comfortable going in there and i'm like hey i'll be you know at this cross street so if you don't hear from me in like (laughs) two hours call the cops um so because they get money right or they get paid so Relatives are already being paid without getting licensed. As a foster parent, if you take a child in, yes, you are getting paid a certain amount per day. Because that's month. that's where some people take advantage of it, right? They just want to foster kids so they can get money. You can't do that anymore. Okay. Because in the initial in the initial assessment, you have to prove that you can take care of a child, money wise. So I'm asking for a copy of your student loans, of your credit card bills, yeah. of your mortgage internet all of it yeah. and then obviously if they don't report it it's yeah, kind yeah. it's gonna be whatever but that's why we said we need you know i go in and go i need a hundred percent honesty because if you're not honest with me i can't help you so you like so. your job now <laughs> it's very it, hesitant <laughs> it has its up and ups and downs yeah like oh i can't imagine yeah Like this job, I never know what shit storm I'm walking into because every day I swear there's a new fire to put out. There's a new shit storm to go, okay, nope, I'm done. And it's gotten to the point where I looked at one of my coworkers and said, that's it, I'm walking out. I can't just, I can't do this anymore. And I love my job. I love helping people. But it's so heartbreaking. Um. What are some of the rewarding parts? What are some of the, give me a positive story. <laughs> I actually had a foster parent thank me for everything I do. I was, I happened to be one of their big supports. They were going through something and I was kind of her shoulder, so to speak, because I was her licensing worker. And she just looked at me one day and she, and she's like, you know what? I, I think I got out for one of their renewals or whatever gone out and she's like you know what i appreciate everything you do thank you for always being there and i was like 
and that's why I do this. You don't typically get a thank you, I imagine, in that role. (laughs) No, I don't get screamed at to get out of the house anymore, like I did in Muskegon. But, yeah, it's it's a very thankless job, you know. And there are days where I'm just like, does it matter what the hell I do? Does it matter that, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, I don't want to talk on the phone anymore by the time I get home. I, a lot of times I'm late for dinner. Yeah. Because I'm trying to help with a crisis. I'm trying to, I've talked for two hours on the phone trying to calm a foster parent down. You know, all those Nothing seems like a major crisis anymore because I've been dealing with crises all day. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. Um, I looked at my coworker and said, did someone put something in the water? Because <laughs> everything just kind of seems to be exploding at once. And she goes, I don't know, but this, because there's a lot of up and downs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Is are we going up anytime soon? Because I can't handle this anymore. A lot of downs. Of downs well, this week. <laughs> actually, the past couple months, it's just one. I was like, is it because it's a new year? Is it a new moon? Is it what the hell is going on? Yeah. But overall, because I know I'm helping someone, overall, I'm doing it for these children. Yeah. It's, I, kn- I know when I place a child in this home they're safe because i've spent days on end with these people i've done the assessment i've read through i've asked the hard questions i've had the hard talks and i'm like you know what i feel okay putting a child in this home yeah so that's good yeah now we just need more foster parents (laughs) we're we're always in need you know yeah i imagine it's a lot of people come to us and then they just want to adopt and it's like that's great go through private adoption agency like we want to be able to place a child in the home because we don't want that child sleeping on our office floor yeah we don't want the child on a dhs floor and scared to death not knowing what's going on you know they've been probably just been ripped from the only home they've known yeah you know yeah that's uh that job takes i don't know a, a certain certain person yeah so i've been told i mean (laughs) it was my grandmother before she died she's like you know you're destined to do great things well (laughs) this is what i got grandma yeah well if i had known i might have taken a different path (laughs) so it's it's rewarding but it's draining and you've got to learn to balance and that's you know my job advocates self-care yeah i'm not great at that i'm getting better (laughs) self-care is important Yes, it is. And, you know, and it's great to have someone who loves me and supports me. And at the end of the day, when I walk in and I've got a million pounds on my shoulders because I've been dealing with everyone's problems, you know, he can wrap me up in a hug and go, just breathe. And a lot, social workers can't do it without the support. Yeah. So if you love a social worker, <laughs> tell them thank you. Tell them you're there for them. Even if they don't want to talk, sometimes just sitting in silence, knowing that person is there and willing to listen, yeah. helps. Because if we do this all by ourselves and we've got no one to share, like we won't, 
because of HIPAA, we won't tell you a lot of things. Yeah. But if we just say, you know, I've had a really shitty day. I just need someone here. Knowing that person is there is going to help us mentally. And it's a mental game with this job. So, yeah. If you know a social worker, <laughs> say thank you. Give them a hug. Mm -hmm. They're probably dealing with a lot and you have no yeah, freaking I can't imagine. idea. I can't imagine. So, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, no, if you want to be a foster, if you, even just thinking about being a foster parent, yeah. go to the orientation. I mean, it could be at my work. It could be at the Judson Center. It could be at Spalding, whatever. Yeah. Anywhere close to you, you know, if you're thinking about it, go to the orientation. You don't have to follow up, but, yeah. you know, know what it's about. It is needed. It is absolutely needed. I I see hundreds of emails every day of children in need who need a home. Yeah, that's sad. And nine times out of ten, I can't, I don't have a home for this child. Yeah. You know, but I'm hoping some other agency does. Yeah. Yeah, always the case. Maybe not because I see, you know, the email the next day for that same child and, you know. Well, on that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If you're thinking about fostering, go look into it. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you for sharing your story with me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you just listened to my interview with my friend Rebecca. Rebecca is uh, marrying a buddy of mine next year. And when I listened to this, I was editing it and I was like, oh my goodness their wedding but it's 2021 so hopefully we'll be we'll be good by then uh but yeah i mean great point at the end about foster care too if you guys are have ever considered or even had like a thought about being a foster parent um you can get in touch with her and i'll have her tagged in my instagram post so you can hunt her down on there and on facebook and um get in touch with her and she can tell you about these these seminars um where you can learn about being a foster parent and at least you'll find out if it's something for you or not, you know. Uh, I'm happy to have her on. It's I'm happy to get back to, uh, you know, straight up interviews. And my March interviews, they were they were interviews. But uh, I wanted to do something where people were promoting something. And I'm glad I did. And uh, hopefully got some traffic for uh, those people out of that. But uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to get back to people's stories and and where they came from and how they got there and. And, uh, yeah, I guess that was a lot of March too. <laughs> it's the same podcast, <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, how are you guys holding up? Are you, do you listen to this at the end? I talk a lot at the end sometimes, especially now it's, uh, it's been, it's been interesting. So here's, uh, let's, let's dive into the psyche of Justin real quick. Um, here's where I struggle is I constantly seek out validation, uh, used to do it in very unhealthy ways. And thankfully I've uh, moved past that for the most part, but uh, I still, I still really like seek out validation and I don't mind being at home and working from home and not really like seeing people. It's, it hasn't been too detrimental. There's been a couple days that have just been kind of fucking depressed, but uh, for the most part, it's been good. And I feel like I, I you get what you put out there. And so I've been trying to put out as much positivity as possible. And, um, if you don't already know, I go on Facebook every single day and do one song live. Um, it's been around lunchtime lately. And, 
I did a live concert and I'm going to do another one where I play my uh, latest album, latest from 2013, uh, in its entirety. And that'll be fun. And I've been playing a lot more music lately and I've been writing letters to people that wanted to get letters written to them. And I've been writing short stories and novels <laughs> and sending those out on a mailing list of people that wanted to receive those and a lot of output. Um, and I just want you guys to know, like, if you've ever considered giving me feedback, like that's the validation I'm looking for. Uh, it's stupid and it seems egotistical, but I don't know. I feel, I feel happier and healthier. And it's like those little likes, that little dopamine burst. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could use that sometimes. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot putting stuff out there and I love doing it, but sometimes I like to get stuff back. I have little thank you notes from people that have been on the podcast down here and they mean the world to me. So any thank you note you guys want to send my way, whether it's in the form of a review or a rating or just a, just a little hello, share a comment, phone call, whatever. I'm out there. I love you guys. I will talk to you next week. Stay sane. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, I will tell you this for those of you that don't drink or are considering not drinking because you're drinking way too much during this period. Uh, all of my favorite non-alcoholic breweries are still delivering their beer, which I'm super excited about. I have like two orders coming in today. Um, and oh God, I only have one more interview left before Skype interviews start, which I didn't ever want to do. And I guess that's, that's what's going to happen now. So I'm excited because I do get to talk to people that live on the other side of the country, but I'm also bummed out because, um, you know, you don't have as much personal touch when you're not sitting right across from somebody. Oh, that's about it. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you next week. I hope you are still getting as much out of these podcasts as I am getting out of them. And I don't know what else to say. I need to hit stop recording. <laughs> okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Love you.